Hi, what's up, everybody? I'm your host today, Kakashi's bookmark, Emily, and I am joined by my other um, better two-thirds today. In today's episode, we do have a special little moment because today is also Hannah's birthday. Yay! Happy birthday! Happy birthday, Hannah, our resident Tanjiro stan. (laughs) Proud of it. (laughs) Well, I'll pass it over to Hannah to say hi. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Yes, it is my birthday. I'm 26 years old now, and I'm officially in my late 20s, and I don't know how to feel about it. So I'm just sitting here with my pumpkin cream cold brew. It is my second free birthday coffee of the day, and we're making it happen. What's up, everybody? I'm Muzan's assistant to the 12 moons, Brian. I don't know. Um, I am in slight dread of becoming older now watching Hannah talk about her experiences. So uh, I'm also in the same position. It happens. It happens to all of us, whether we want it to or not, but enjoy your knees while you still have them. And let's get going on this episode today. Um, So because it is a special day, we're going to start today's episode a little differently than usual. It's Hannah's birthday. We all know what Hannah loves most in this entire world. You might think it's her husband. That's actually not true. It is Tanjiro. So (laughs) (laughs) I have been called out. Sorry, Jordan. Um, So we wanted to take a minute and just let Hannah revel in her favorite moments of Tanjiro so far and in today's episode. I'll go ahead and pass it off to Hannah to do as she pleases with that. Listen, I knew this was coming and that's still such a hard thing to do because I love every moment with Tanjiro. <laughs> and technically my favorite moment with him is yet to come. So I I, I won't touch on that for the sake of spoilers. Um, but I, it, it's actually funny. Uh, in this episode was one of my favorite moments from him. And it's throughout the episode. It's just the way he treats the little girl, Teriko, that he is protecting. And obviously, he's grown up his entire life being a big brother. I think Nezuko's only a year younger than him. So this is like in his blood is to be that protective big bro. Um, But you can just really tell how much he cares about protecting these little kids and um, is reassuring them all the time and just has the right words to say. I also love that, like his instinct, whenever he heard the the Suzumi go was to instantly grab her in case like he wasn't holding on to her to make sure that they didn't get separated. And I just thought that was so sweet. Like again, every moment with him, every like little facial expression that he makes, that's just so caring, just has my heart like fluttering. I love him. He is my sweet boy and it's corn, but it's Tanjiro. Oh, oh, <laughs> He, he is just like the best boy. Can't go wrong. All right. Well, without getting too deep into favorite moments, because we'll save that for a little bit later. Um, happy birthday again to Hannah. We've got some insights on Tanjiro so far. So let's go ahead and now we'll just take this moment to dive into today's episode um, overall. So we are discuss- discussing, of course, episode 12, which is the boar bears its fangs, Zenitsu sleeps. Um, And I think for this episode, I'd like to focus in on the qualities and the characteristics that we get to see come out of the Demon Slayers 
some of them for the first time in this episode, I think that a good theme here is kind of to discuss their strategy a little bit. I think we get to see all of them kind of engage and think through maybe <clears throat> or or maybe just immediately act on, um, you know, these battles that they have to take on while they're in the Suzumi mansion. So <clears throat> we have a lot of interesting moments along those lines I think we can talk about. Starting off, of course, we open right back up with um, our new introduction. We have our masked demon slayer Inosuke. And as we've seen in the last episode and here now too, he is a very different type of demon slayer than anything we have seen anywhere else thus far. Um, we see him kind of disregarding the other people that are in the mansion. He bounces off of Terako and uses her as a springboard to move around and beat this demon. Um, a little later on, he also mentions that he doesn't like being indoors. It's like not his style and he feels kind of cramped. Um, and so as he's charging through this mansion, he takes down a large demon in that hallway very quickly and brutally. So I think immediately just in our first few interactions um, and observations of this demon slayer, we can see that he operates very differently in comparison to the other ones that we've seen so far. Um, what do you think that these characteristics or these moments can tell us a little bit about Inosuke's battle strategy. Man, <clears throat> this Inosuke person. Honestly, on first impression, I was like, wow, this guy kind of sucks. Like, poor Terrico. She's just a child in, like, a mansion. First off, okay, right, we talked about this with, like, Tondra about how, like, he's just, like, essentially learning about demons same situation so she's just learning about how this guy exists right here now she's like in the thick of it of getting attacked by a demon and he's like nah you're not important i need to slay the demon not to save you i want to get my own name so i think kind of what we see in this moment is the showboat coming out in him right the i'm gonna save the day i'm lord Nosuke. so i think it really tells us that he's really kind of a solo person definitely someone who may not do teamwork very well um and I think that's okay in a kind of a sense with Demon Slayers because they do operate solo a lot. But now seeing that there's three of them in the same building, you would think they would have like, okay, there's some other Demon Slayers here. Like we can at least try to be amicable if we don't like each other. So a little bit interesting in comparison to what we've seen from other people so far. Inosuke literally was like, serve as my springboard. <laughs> So I can go to the top. Um, yeah, he definitely were getting some different battle IQs and different strengths. I think we <laughs> battle IQs, I know. Um, we definitely see that Inosuke is extremely strong and is willing to just charge in, which is kind of the polar opposite of the other Slayer we've just been <laughs> introduced to. You know, we, we, we've got two sides to this we we got Inosuke who's literally running in without a second thought and not thinking about anyone else or anything else around him and then we got Zenitsu who of course is just kind of crying still um we'll get to him in a moment though because he has his moment to shine in this episode as well but um it, it's it's definitely bringing an interesting side to things to see Inosuke just kind of not caring about the kid and just wanting to slay the demon to become a higher demon slayer right yeah i agree it, it's like there are two very very opposite sides of the spectrum here i think that we've seen two that squarely fall at either end <laughs> yeah. um and i do think that like his his like headstrong nature and his you know 
disregard for kind of what's going on around him and just charging in is probably going to get him in some trouble. Um, it's working out right now. I, I don't know how strong necessarily the demons are that he's run into in the hallway compared to like what probably is in the future for them. Um, but I do think that it could land him in some trouble. So with that being said, this is a good segue, I think, into obviously the other Slayer that we get to see have a moment in this episode. Um, in particular, we get to see Zenitsu kind of finally do something besides cry. <laughs> um, um, so up to this point, he's been cowering behind children, behind Tanjiro, um, and pretty much anyone else that he can. I feel like he would hide behind the sparrow if he could. Um <laughs> And and I think we get to see him go into like sensory overload this episode a little bit and finally just have like um, a shutdown moment. And in that brief glimpse of the calm in the storm that we get to see from him, we also get to see some of the most um, defined action, I think, from this character. Is this his battle tactic? What do we think? <laughs> oh, boy. Um I mean, I think we're all sitting here wondering how he made it through final selection, and now we're kind of realizing how, because obviously he's not a whole lot of help at first. In fact, he's more of a hindrance, if I'm being completely honest. But, you know, people try and make fun of Zenitsu and say, oh, I hated him at first. And, like, I didn't really love him, but also I was like, I would be like that. So I can't really make fun of him a whole lot because that's me. But, <laughs> um, you know, I maybe it is a battle tactic. You you gotta just push yourself until you pass out and then you can start fighting. I mean, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let me tell you. Um, <clears throat> I think it kind of comes down to his motivation, right? Like he's seeing this child who's like fighting, well, not even fighting for his life. He's like begging him to do something. And it kind of relates to his own uh, kind of motivation that it's not himself he's concerned about. Like he would have been okay with himself dying, but this little child cowering behind him who he's supposed to protect. It's that like doing something for someone else as your primary motivation. I think that's where his battle strategy lies is it's not about him. It's about others. And when people rely on him, that's when he can draw on his actual intentions. I think that's fair. And I think in some ways it makes him one of the most relatable demon slayers to me, at least. Um, I know a lot of people see him as like this annoying foil of a character, but the truth is like, realistically, if we lived in a world where demons did exist and some of us were tasked to become demon slayers, uh, maybe like not entirely out of our own free will, we'd probably be freaking out, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I would be horrified. Um, Absolutely. And I don't know, like, I'd like to imagine that, like, we wouldn't be cowering behind people like kids. But I'm like, this would be, like, horrific to me. I think that his reaction is probably relatively sane um, compared to some of the other people that are heading into this. Um, or maybe just more aware of the danger that is kind of lying before them. So, yeah. I think that his method is a little bit of a shock to me, but I do think it's relatable. I mean, all of us want to take naps. That is true. That's like that the adult thing. That, yeah, that comes along with being uh, 26 now, right, Hannah? <laughs> so, 
<laughs> maybe I'll actually be able to take naps during the day now. I want naps, but I never can fall asleep. So maybe that's the good thing about turning 26. Being able to rest your eyes on the couch. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, coming back to kind of Zenitsu, I think that's like kind of how you said that he's the most relatable. I think that really hits the younger generation very well. Like I know we've all seen that meme of like the restaurant, like asking the waiter for something for yourself. No, it's fine. It's fine. But like asking for someone else, we're like getting out of our seat, like waving at the waiter. I feel like it comes through because a lot of us actually struggle with anxiety. And I think that is kind of how a lot of us these days operate. It's not until that we get to the point of sensory overload. Are we actually able to accomplish anything? I think it's, that's kind of why he is my favorite Slayer is because I do feel that way very much that it's not until I feel like I'm at the penultimate low that I can actually shoot my way up the mountain. It's very interesting how that kind of puts me in a weird situation and forces me to work under pressure. But again, I think that's kind of a societal expectation. And I think it's really interesting how even though it's not even close relatively to time period, character motives still are true to modern day and contemporary society. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Like, Zenitsu is so relatable. And I think so many people see themselves in him, but he's so over the top (laughs) about it. (laughs) I think that's where people, you know, obviously get annoyed, but um, it, it's really it, it's funny that you put it that way Emily where it's like what if we were in a world where there were demons because we know that most of us would be like isn't it too? we we wish we could be like Tanjiro you know I wish that I could just be like the perfect mix of everything and be empathetic kind loving and brave and skilled but I'm just not brave at all um (laughs) and that's okay we're you know i think this introducing this character is kind of showing us that maybe not everyone has to be brave and super skilled and talented in order to be successful in life sometimes you just got to take them out i agree but it doesn't hurt to have a friend that can ground you i think is also part Mm -hmm. of the message um and i mentioned that Polar ends of the spectrum, I think Tanjiro probably falls pretty squarely in the middle. So I think he's a good influence for both of them. Um, so so talking about Tanjiro, coming back to our hero here for a minute, um, his battle tactics. You'll notice in this episode that he picks up on the movement of the Suzumi drum demon really fast. Um, he is still being thrown around like a ping pong ball in the House of Escher, but... Um, I think that he is able to like interpret the movements much more quickly again than somebody like me would be able to. Um, Do you think that he has a strong tactic here or does his tactic come a little bit later because he's relying on something else? Something that he has that's really strong is his senses. We know he has a strong sense of smell. Um, And actually even like jumping back, we know that Zenitsu has like the sharp sense of hearing. Um, so do these senses inform their battle tactics or do you think they have a plan before they go into it? I think Tanjiro's just really good at figuring things out on the fly and making sure he keeps his brain engaged during fights. Um, 
you know, we kind of touched on it in the first episode, like a callback was the reason that Gyu was like willing to send him to his master was because Tandro outsmarted him essentially, you know, and Gyu was extremely powerful into Hashira. So I think Tandro has, you know, obviously the sense of smell, but I think he also just has a, you know, a very quick thinking brain that can adapt to whatever is going on. And he makes sure that he's understanding of his surroundings at all times. And that's what truly helped him figure out what was going on is because his surroundings were shifting. He was able to see what the demon was doing and notice that each Suzumi meant something different. And obviously, or honestly, that brain of his is keeping him alive at this point, because if it weren't for that, and we kind of see it, he knows that he will get shredded if he does it a certain way. And he's keeping himself alive by just thinking with his brain. Yeah, I would say it really is that pattern recognition that Tandro, I feel like is getting good, at. right? He's starting to be able to process information more quickly and then also use that to adapt like looking at even growth from the last fight right he started to figure out like more quickly about the arrow demon how he would respond to it and react to it now it's coming a little bit quicker he's getting better at seeing okay this is kind of what a blood demon art looks like from each demon what's my strategy and drawing off of that and really his ability to kind of start predicting how like this demon is going to start using these drums and how he's going to alter the room is really what's informing his tactics, right? Because he kind of has an understanding like, okay, top drum means this. I can then like hang on to Teruko, maybe use a form to catch my grip and catch my balance, then make an attack. And I think that's what's really cool about him is he's very quick to adapt and also really uses other kind of ideas from previous fights, right? Because he is using a form to stabilize himself here. And that's something that he not only did in the arrow demon fight to kind of keep those off, but he also did it underwater with those um, tongue demons to make sure that he could slay them and get out. So mm-hmm. it's really a continual progression of skills he's learned and adding and fine tuning to where he is in the moment. I also found it really interesting that he kept on mentioning in this episode, he was like, I can do it because I'm the eldest son. If I were the second son, I wouldn't be able to do this. And I was kind of almost giggling at those comments. And I don't know why, because I was like, that seems like such a random thought. But then it kind of touches on like what I mentioned about my favorite moment with him earlier was, you know, that he's it's part of who he is. And I think him being the eldest son has allowed him to train his brain to be able to think on the fly because they lived in a mountainous, like dangerous terrain area. Like you have to wonder if he had experiences where maybe he had to save one of his younger siblings from like falling into the river or something. And I think that he's like kind of calling to it himself in this episode which I, th- I found interesting once I stopped giggling at it. I don't know why I was giggling at it, but. Well, and it, you know, like being the oldest sibling myself, I feel like I can say that at least is also kind of relatable and true. It's like you do kind of have to step into that role, I think, because a lot of parents I feel with their first kid um, don't know what they're doing the first time they're doing their best. I think almost everyone really tries to do their best for the most part, but um, the eldest does kind of end up falling into 
like a, um, a more adult role. I think mm-hmm. they kind of take on those tasks if there are younger children involved. And I think that Tanjiro totally fits that mold that you described. And then on like a more macro level too, it, it's allowed him to kind of step in very naturally to the Demon Slayer role too, right? Because the whole idea there is that they're supposed to be protecting other humans from demon kind. And Tanjiro has been protecting Nezuko and his siblings as much as he could for all of his life. Mm-hmm. So I think that that probably lends itself to his tactics too. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I do actually have one more tactic um, or like battle strategy character that I'd like to bring up really quick. Um We've talked about the Demon Slayers so far. I think we should talk about the Demon really quickly. Um, we have this really interesting Suzumi Drum Demon, and we get to see a brief flashback um, to a moment that they spent with Muzan. Um, and we get to, you know, gather the information that they were a former Kazuki um, and that they have been removed very violently from the 12 Kazuki and that they are looking to... Um, regain that spot in you know amongst the 12 so that's kind of like why all of this has unraveled so i actually like yes they probably have some kind of tactic but ultimately i think that their motivation is pretty clear they want to get back into it and they're not in it anymore what about muzon i feel like muzon's gotta know that this demon is doing this right so is this part of the tactic too what do you think Mm-hmm. This one's interesting because <clears throat> Mr. Suzumi Man uh, obviously was kicked out of the 12 Pazuki. And so he. <laughs> yes, I said 12. Pizuki? I sure did. The 12 Pazuki. <laughs> I, I was waiting to see if someone would catch it. <laughs> Hopefully, someone in the audience caught it the first time around. Nonetheless, I think Mr. Suzumi Man is definitely um, being manipulated by Muzan here just a little bit, right? He's like, hmm, I think maybe we need to switch things up, right? And he knows that the Suzumi Demon is kind of now in a state where he's like, man, did I just get kicked out of like a club that I kind of was a part of for a while? Like people just like ghosted me quite literally. And so now he's like, I deserve that respect. And I think that's, kind of the cool part is like he's trying to regain his honor in his own sense and obviously like my Zuko tattoo I know like the kind of struggle of like trying to find your honor and such but also in the same sense it's his like major flaw is that he's so focused on his own motivation that he can't see outside or can't really anticipate or predict anything that would interrupt that plan so I think that's really an interesting point you brought up. I must capture the Marichi to restore my honor. Rip. Um, man, I almost forgot the question. Or I kind of did. But uh, very interesting background with seeing this demon that used to be a member of the 12 Kazuki and got his title stripped just because he couldn't keep eating. Like, can you imagine, like, oh, I can't eat enough. Therefore, I lost my position at work. Like, that's that's kind of what it feels like. Um, and it just, again, shows Muzan's level of, like, distrust in his people, too. Like, 
you can't eat this many human. You're not like good enough for me. And you're just going to be a regular demon now when his blood demon art was, it is really cool. It's definitely the coolest we've seen thus far in my opinion. Um, so it definitely it just adds more to the lore of like the power structure amongst demons and what Muzan will do, the lengths that he will do to make sure that he stays on top, but also keeps his 12 Kazuki like the most powerful that he can. So definitely kind of opens the door to even more storyline among the demons, which I think the show does really good. It's not just like they're evil. It, they all have stories to tell and we get to see a little bit more about uh, this demon in the next episode, but it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see a little bit more of the backstory, but I do think that Muzan would have to be aware that this is happening. And it almost makes me wonder if uh, he's allowing it to happen on purpose with the intention of luring demon slayers there to their death. So very interesting, but I think that it's probably a good point to transition to our favorite moments, unless do either of you have anything else you want to talk about first? I would venture to say that even knowing where the manga is and stuff or knowing kind of all the other blood demon arts at this point, I still think he has the coolest. I I don't know. Maybe it's just me being a fan for like musical instruments being these ominous, weird things, because I've seen some other animes where they do that. And I always think it's so interesting, but I just think it's really cool how it is not just a sensory thing with the sound, but it's also like this bamboozling, puzzling aspect of location and direction. And I think that's the easiest way to kind of skew a fight is disorient your opponent very quickly. And it takes someone who's quick on their feet to be able to adapt to that. So I think it's really cool. And I definitely think it's a great challenge for Tanjiro to rise to. It's definitely one of my favorite blood arts of all, all the demons, because you're right. It literally just like you're spinning the room and most regular slayers. I mean, I wouldn't really call Tanjiro regular slayer since he's our main character. Um, so obviously he can't be regular. Otherwise he would have died in his first fight, but they're not going to be able to handle right. that. They're, they're just going to be swinging around until they get sliced into four pieces. So, um, Definitely a powerful blood demon art, which is why, you know, it's so interesting to me that just because he couldn't eat enough, Muzan still stripped him of that title, considering his blood demon art is so good and strong. And it's it's definitely one of my favorites. My brain is also not functioning today, so I apologize. <laughs> That's It's your birthday. You're allowed. Um, no, it is beautiful. This this scene and like the movement and the way that it was animated has always stuck with me. Um, like the rapid fire motion of it. I've always thought that this was really cool. And I really do feel kind of touched by the backstory of this demon. But we'll get to that next episode. So on that note, I do think this is a good moment to transition into those favorite moments from this week. So I'll go ahead and go first. Um, I do know that this one is very obvious, and I guarantee I'm not alone in this, in this Zoom room. Um, but, like, we finally get Zenitsu's moment to shine that we talked about. Um, I know, in particular, Brian and I share a kindred spirit in that we both really love this character. You know, and all the Demon Slayers, of course. But 
this moment is a really great balance and and hannah of course but but hannah's the resident tanjiro stan so um but we we love them all anyway um this moment that zenitsu gets is like a another really great balance of humor and action i think in one moment it's like we get to see him like freaking out freaking out freaking out freaking out boom like (laughs) like he just like it's like it's it's funny the the timing of it is funny and it's so unexpected that i think that it makes it resonate so much more than um if he hadn't had like a complete shutdown you know we get to see him finally stand up for himself even though maybe he's unconscious or he has like this split personality type or something um but, and then it's funny when he like switches back into the former self that we recognize a little bit more and he's like thanking the kid for like saving him because he doesn't realize I don't think fully that he's the one that did it. So it's a good moment. It's one of my favorites. I, I think that's that's mine for this week. You have to think at this point, like he just doesn't know what he can do with the way he like reacts to the situation. Like he just doesn't know how he's for like he survived final selection because obviously that's how he did is he just probably fell asleep for the majority of it and was like thunder breathing first form thunder breathing first form like you know getting it all done but he doesn't know that he can do that or something it's crazy um that moment uh, I (laughs) when I was watching the episode I was like this is kind of my favorite moment but also I know that the other two are definitely going to want to talk about it so I do want to call out just the amazing animation it's the animation has already been amazing, and honestly, Zenitsu's breathing form, Thunder Breathing, is one of my favorites of all the breathing forms. It's so well done. Um, but I, if I had to call out something outside of that as my favorite moment, it has to be like the very end of the episode um, when... Tanjiro is is saying that thing that he says a lot where he's like it's it's not a matter of if I can like I have to that kind of thing and then he takes his sword and he like slings it behind him and puts his other arm out and is like I will do this and it becomes like his signature like I'm taking on a demon because he does it a lot for like in the next uh, few seasons but I know I've been talking about Tanjiro a lot but it is my birthday so I'm I'm using that as an excuse I just love the way he's kind of pepping himself up and and like first he's like oh my gosh I don't think I can do this my rib is still broken my leg is still broken and I think all of us can agree if we were in his shoes we would be dead in an instant because there ain't no way I'm moving at all with broken bones let alone fighting a demon that can shake me around the house Um, but he just is like get that out of your head use your water breathing forms it's meant to you know be flexible and be able to be used no matter what my body is feeling and let's get my head on my shoulder and it shows that maybe he is a little more human than we think because he's really struggling at first good old tanjiro got a little <laughs> honestly i think that is one of the one of my favorite things about him is his ability to adapt and i think that's really cool for him being a water breather like he is just like water like push pull he's got it you'll be surprised that my favorite moment is zenitsu's thunderclap and flash i'm sure everyone's surprised by that however (laughs) i think 
it's to kind of further expand upon it for myself and how I feel and relate to him is that um, I also feel very similar in the sense that I don't know really how I do things like, and this is very true to my personal life. People will compliment me or applaud me for doing things that may seem difficult or such. And I don't understand that how like the work I did, or I don't understand the significance of what I did. And I'm like, what do you mean? What did I do? And so it's very relatable in the sense that I often kind of downplay what my strengths are or second guess a lot of what I do. And I feel like that's why this moment kind of really speaks to me is that the flash of like genius, if you will, to be able to actually do something about it after shutting down and kind of almost putting on a personality of drag, if you will. I kind of see it as that dual persona of like, I can't do things if I'm being thoughtful about it. So I just need to turn my brain off and do it. And that is honestly kind of how I operate sometimes in my professional life is that I don't think I just do. And I hope for the best. I think that's fair. And I think it's really nice that, you know, yes, we kind of have this like semi-perfect character of Tanjiro here squarely at the middle. But I do think that in each of these demon slayers and honestly, even all of the characters, there are things that we can see in them that reflect ourselves. So kudos again to some fabulous writing. Um, And I think on that note, this is about all the time that we have for this week. So anything else before we wrap it up? Okay, well, thank you everyone again for another great week. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, do all the things. If you leave us a question in the comments um, here or on TikTok, you might see us answer it, answer it in a future episode. And once again, just want to wish a really happy birthday to our lovely Hannah. Wouldn't be here without you. So wow, we, you. we hope you have the best day and year and rest of your life. <laughs> um, and we will see you all next week. Um, umai. Umai. From the person from Norway who downloaded our podcast, thank you very much. We appreciate you. We're almost at 100 downloads on our podcast. So thank you, everybody who is doing that. And of course, Umai. <laughs>